Friends, a quick update on our developing project to support the Ukrainian church during this traumatic time. As you hear this, I am in Romania on an emergency trip to assess refugee needs and to identify ministry partners to help rescue Christians still trapped in Ukraine and to support those who choose to stay. Please cover our team with your consistent and persistent prayers. I'll have much to report when I return in mid-March. In the meantime, please support the work and this broadcast with your generous gift today. Give online at CompassionRadio.com or call toll-free 1-800-868-2478. Please contact us today, and thank you. Welcome to a special Encore presentation of Compassion Radio. Graham, I've worked most of my life in the Middle East, but I always thought of those countries as the most violent places in the world. In fact, that's not true. It turns out that there are four countries in Latin America where the murder rate is higher than anywhere else in the world. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of Compassion Radio. Take a quick look at the headlines today, and you'll see a world on fire, sometimes literally. And it's literally true that sectarian and religious conflicts in the 21st century far outnumber those of the 20th. On the flip side, it's also true that most of the violence, war, and suffering we've seen in the past few years are actually a continuation of simmering conflicts that never really died in the past. One of the people that we lean on here for perspective on these big global issues is today's guest. His work has been used of God to open doors for the gospel where no one believed it possible, and he's still at it after 50 years of bold, faithful action. We'll take a world tour of desperation and hope on today's program and in the days to follow. A note on the recording. Catching our guests on the run doesn't always mean we get the best connection. But what he has to share is important enough to overlook some technical issues with the mobile recording. I hope you'll indulge us a bit as a result. Here's today's interview. Joining us on the program again today is our dear friend and a mentor of mine and a great friend to the ministry over the years and personally to Norman Shear Nelson, Dr. James Jennings of Conscious International. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Bram. Now, you've been busy. You always are. I've had the pleasure of getting to know some of your people, Doctor, over the past few days and finding out all the new things that Conscience International is getting involved with. And you've always gone to those intrepid places that many agencies just won't go. I mean, I think of some of the world's biggest intrepid organizations like Samaritan's Purse tend to be in war zones. And then there's the person beyond the next horizon who's actually traveling with those who are in the middle of it. You tend to be there, and your people tend to be on the very, very front lines of faith, doing medical and intervention work, making peace where no one else is even capable of doing that. And for that, we honor you, and we're in your awe. So today, I want to start off by just finding out from you, Doctor, what's the world like? I mean, how much has really changed in the past couple of years since you and I were traveling together? I think uh, in many countries, Bram, unfortunately, it's become a much more dangerous place. I can't imagine how a few years ago we could hitchhike uh, throughout most of the countries of the Middle East and in Sudan and Afghanistan. And uh, now today it would be dangerous to do that. And that's because of a great clash of civilizations from the East and West that has drilled down on these countries, making them even much more difficult and unstable and dangerous than they were before, specifically Iraq and uh, Syria and Afghanistan but including now, very importantly, Yemen Mm. and the horizon that seems to be forming for a maybe greater conflict with Iran. And certainly we'd like to wish those things away, but 
we have to deal with them as they are. Now, you take us to places because you've seen that God's work needs to be done there. It seems like Americans in general have a sense of the importance of conflicts or of cultures simply based upon the number of American soldiers that are deployed nearby. And so we we start from that position of strength in our own minds. We see the world through the prism of our own successes, our own challenges, our own desires. That's pretty normal for any nation. But as people of the kingdom, believers who are committed to seeing God's kingdom advance around the world and to see his mercy and his grace extended to those who need him most, it should be a no-brainer that where there's suffering in the world, the Christians would be the first to go. The thing we've been seeing a lot about the Middle Eastern countries, especially since the beginning of the Iraq War, the first war in Iraq back in the 90s, is this sense of they're nothing but a breeding ground for terrorists. Why should we go and help? You're the living proof that obeying Jesus and going where he tells you to go pays rich dividends, not just in our own hearts and in the lives of those who are helped, but also in literally building bridges and making peace possible in the years to come. Christians have to be in there and be seen as being peacemakers before they're going to be trusted again. Otherwise, we'll be just kind of this uh, American political, economic, and military force to reckon with, and nothing more. So tell me, if you could, why we should keep engaging with those parts of the world. Well, we have to recognize that there are warm Christians in every country on earth, and this goes even for Afghanistan, where it's illegal to have a church. And yet, when Norm and Cher went there, they found a tremendous response. And there are always those people who are coming to faith in Christ. I wish people could come with me or sit with me. This is a few years ago now. In former Soviet Central Asia, where communism and atheism had been taught to the people for 70 years, that a young woman with a Muslim background who had been reared as an atheistic communist sat in front of me with her eyes shining, Bram, and saying to me, Oh, that wonderful day when I met Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, yes. that, that is something you can't really replicate, but I wish people could know that. And then to go into the borderlands of Pakistan and Afghanistan and have a bearded man with a turban and a robe take me by the hand and take me inside a room where he could lock the door and say, you know about the gospel and the Bible, please tell me and teach me. And he didn't want anybody else to find out about it because it was dangerous for him. But he had become a Christian, and he wanted to learn about the Bible. And then, of course, there are the millennia old churches, 2,000 years of the churches in Egypt and in all the Middle Eastern countries, Iraq and so forth, have been existing, sometimes under great pressure, and yet they still bear witness to Christ. These are our brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, there's been a great wiping out of uh, lives and churches in various parts of the world under communism in the modern era, under Nazism and materialism and many other things, and now Islamic fanaticism. But I often tell people that the church has always endured persecution. The ancient Romans were not Muslims, so it's not all Muslims that do the persecuting. The Nazis were not Muslims, and the communists were not Muslims, but Sometimes we paint with a broad brush that all Muslims are persecutors and all persecutors are Muslims, and that's just wrong. Now, you have the experience of having worshipped with those 
as we say, legacy churches, people that have a deep history to go all the way back to the New Testament times. It was stunning to me to learn 20 or 30 years ago that the Assyrian church of northern Iraq still worshipped in Aramaic, and that the root language they would speak to each other and understood well enough to function, it wasn't like it was Greek to me. It was literally a living language for them. The same words that Jesus spoke on the street. That's the language of Jesus, Aramaic. And that language, it seems to me, is almost wiped out because of the conflicts in the past 15 years. Is it possible for yeah. that church to re- reform and to rebound? Uh, of course. It, it will persist because it has, uh, through even worse times, but these are difficult times for those churches in the Middle East. Many of the people said to me, when the ISIS onslaught came in and was so bloody, they just said, we cannot live here anymore. Please help us to escape. And if we could have gotten them across the border, we would. But unfortunately, sometimes that's their fate. They cannot be allowed to move by their government. So yeah. they have to stay there, and they bear witness. And they've been doing it uh, faithfully for so many years. So I don't think we can be critical of them, especially when many in the West are wishy-washy Christians <laughs> who are really so much involved with consumerism and entertainments that none of this means anything to us. And so that's worrying about the fate of Christianity in our own country. We run the risk, Doctor, of shaming people into not caring. So I don't want to leave people with the impression that we're looking down on anybody in the West simply because their Christian experience hasn't been as profound or as involved or as on the edge as some of the things you and I have seen as we've traveled. You know, we go there and we do the work we do because of a love. It's not because we're trying to defend with our own strength or with our own rational ability to, to reason with people. We do go because God sends us. And you have been many places where there was no guarantees you were coming home, but you did it anyway because you loved the Lord. And we're not shaming people about having not gone before like we've gone. We have invited them many times, and sometimes people actually take up the torch and follow us and go with us to these places. But at the very least, we know that the Compassion Radio listeners around this country can say, tell me more, bring me there, embed me in this. Sometimes, Bram, I think the Church, uh, and broadly speaking, is failing in its responsibilities. And yet at other times, it's totally amazing, really stunning at what the Holy Spirit can do and is doing through people surrendered to the Lord, and what a great impact the gospel has on individuals and societies. Yeah. It reminds me a bit of the famous T.S. Eliot poem, which he likened the church to a sluggish hippopotamus stuck in the mud. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. it manages to truly represent the kingdom of God, but not very easily. He said, flesh and blood is weak and frail, susceptible to nervous shock, while the true <laughs> yeah. church can never fail, for it is based upon a rock. But I think uh, what you're saying is correct, but we must confront the truth that churches and individual Christians all over the world nowadays are facing bloody persecution and martyrdom as they did in the past. And the question is, are we up to that challenge? And that right there is a great thought for us to hold in our hearts for just a moment. You know, for almost 79 years now, Compassion Radio partners like you have absolutely been up to the challenge. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our relief partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. 
As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity to double your gift for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. This matching gift is for at least $1,200 and available to you if you'll give this week. It begins with you and your brave investment in kingdom communication and kingdom action. Every time we go to the front lines of faith, it inspires your faith and your giving to the Great Commission as much as it does ours. You step up and make it possible. It's our strong desire to be going deeper, to go farther, to be braver than we've ever been in this year of 2022, and to bring you the stories that you just won't hear anywhere else. I simply ask that you would keep giving so that we can give back to the world through our strategic ministry partners and to you with inspiring programming on this radio station and over the internet. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and will do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. Of course, you can also put a stamp on an envelope and mail your gift to our Compassion Radio office, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Again, that's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. must confront the truth that churches and individual Christians all over the world nowadays are facing bloody persecution yeah. and martyrdom as they did in the past. And the question is, are we up to that challenge? And the challenge, I think, Doctor, is not, again, to call black black, but simply look at it and say, Jesus, what do you want me to see in this darkness? Because you have something for us to do, and it's not hopeless. You have some place for us to go, and it's not unwelcoming. You have people for us to know, and they're not our enemies. That there are things going on here that if we can just get on your wavelength, we'll discover intense joy and opportunity for real friendship and see lives saved. I mean, physically as well as spiritually. I think the first thing is we do not neglect, we should not neglect any person in need of whatever their faith is or culture may be different from ours. So the way we at Conscience International do this is to integrate faith and practice by putting our feet our hands into action, and then ultimately that involves the whole person, your hearts, your brains, your your shoulders. I like to say that if you go as Christ commanded, we stand shoulder to shoulder alongside Christians in other countries who may be suffering from disasters, wars, poverty, persecution, and other things. And sometimes this is dangerous, but that's our calling. I think that since there's a great separation, a disjunction in the world between the developed and undeveloped world, Christians are part of this. And we need to be aware of it. We live in a culture that's experiencing great partisan strife, a culture that's absorbed, if it's not actually obsessed, with consumerism and entertainment. Yeah. Yet the New Testament is clear. Whoever sees his brother 
sister in need and refuses to respond really fails to meet the primary requirements of loving God as in 1 John 3.17. So we should be about consuming truth, and that's what we're after today. So Dr. Jennings of Conscious International, take us on that survey of the world. Where are the conflicts that you think could be solved in straightforward fashion, and where are the ones you think are just indicative of something that's much deeper that's going to go on for a very long time? Give me some broad strokes to start with. I think the broadest stroke that I can offer, Bram, is the fact that the world is awash in fresh refugees, Mm. and usually the U.N. has tracked this, and instead of people leaving their home for six weeks and crossing the border for safety, they end up staying an average of 24 years. So the, the northern part of Iraq is just packed full of refugee camps, tents as far as you can see them. In Bangladesh, where we've been working for some time and built two schools there now, we've been taking truckloads of rice and lentils down to the something like a million Rohingya refugees who have been driven out of Myanmar because of ethnic fighting and strife and actually ethnic cleansing. In Vietnam, the government there has not relented in its communist opposition to Christians and churches, even though they still have churches and they can operate. It's not that easy. And, of course, in Afghanistan, as I mentioned, the the church is outlawed. In the Middle East, it's become even harder, I think, than it was years ago in Iran and Turkey, for example. But the wars that are going on still in Syria, Iraq, and now especially in Yemen and the great conflict that's been going on for nearly 100 years in Palestine, these are very worrying. And what they've done is dislodge people from their homes and have made it possible for them not to really live a normal life. And I think that's one of the great recruiting tools for the fanatical groups like ISIS that decided to be very bloody in order to reestablish their position. In Africa, as you and I have been there together, There's a great Boko Haram insurgency or crisis in the north of Nigeria, which involves Cameroon, Niger, many other countries of North and West Africa. On the East African side, Ethiopia and Somalia and Kenya have undergone almost constant conflict, especially Somalia, as you know. On the South Sudan border of Uganda, there were more than a million Christians, actually Christian tribes that were driven out into Uganda for safety. And we were there just a year or two ago and were working with those refugees. As you remember from Rwanda and our incident on the border of Congo, those countries are in great need. So all over the world, there must be a recognition that there is a, a destabilization and conflict caused by economic issues as well as uh, political determinations. Uh, for basically dominance. And uh, where do Christians find themselves in the midst of this, we have to ask. And it seems to me that the Christians that we're talking about have been in the faith for a good long time or are fresh to the faith. They're brand new believers. So it's like the, the polar opposites of Christian experience. They follow Jesus and they come into a relationship and then suddenly the world collapses on them or everything they've ever known and trusted throughout their history and their culture is collapsing at the same time. This does seem to be the century of a great unraveling. So you identified some key zones of conflict and and lost opportunity for generations. In the next segment here, I'd like to come back and talk with you more about what kind of work can be done to provide not just hope and string people along for their 24 years of exile— But what can they do to actually make a transformational change where they are? And how are people like your 
folks at Conscious International helping that along. So we'll come back to that in the next segment. Welcome back to Compassion Radio. Thank you. Now, we left off having done a survey of most of the Eastern Hemisphere work that Conscious International has been involved with for the past few years, including Central and Eastern Africa and the Middle East and all the conflicts that reach all the way back into the Asian parts of the Silk Road. Now, they all seem like they're fairly hopeless and are recalcitrant. They just don't seem to be resolving. But we'll get back to that question in a few minutes. I do want to ask you about another sphere of influence and call to action that you've laid out there in the past couple of years about Central America. Tell me what has been happening there that puts them in the same kind of league as the conflicts in Central and Eastern parts of Asia. Graham, I've worked most of my life in the Middle East and expanded into Far East and Africa, certainly. But I always thought of those countries, as I think most people here in this country do, as the most violent places in the world. In Mm -hmm. fact, that's not true. It turns out that there are four countries in Latin America, Venezuela and Colombia being the two biggest ones, where the murder rate is higher than anywhere else in the world. And, of course, they've had political revolutions. They've had uh, suppression of native populations, as they have done in Guatemala and Nicaragua over the last half century. But it's particularly troubling now with the political issues and economic issues that have made Venezuela uh, something like a pariah nation, even though it had been one of the richest countries in Latin America because of its oil wealth. Many of those people have fled. 1.3 million minimum have fled outside the borders. When I was there most recently in Colombia, in the border of Venezuela, there were tens of thousands of people coming across daily, and many of them are sleeping on the ground without a blanket, without a tent, without an air mattress. I haven't seen this in all the years of refugee work. Most refugee camps have at least tents, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they sleep on the ground, but at least they have something to cover them. But there they have nothing to cover them from the elements. That's because of the political disruption in Venezuela and the economic collapse of that country. So Colombia is absorbing a great many of them, but so are the other countries around that area. I think that in future, the political conflict between the United States, for example, Russia has uh, ships that they sent to the vicinity, and the U.S. has as well. It's dangerous uh, time for that. So I think in the Western Hemisphere, it's possible that we could have a conflict when we're actually looking for possibility of conflict with Iran. So that's a real concern, and we are responding to that in connection with the churches there. One thing about the Latin American churches, they are very responsive to the gospel. They're very enthusiastic about following Christ, and it's good to go alongside them and, and help them in every way you can. Now, in Guatemala, we are coordinating some churches from Mississippi and Florida to build some houses on land we purchased there for people who are displaced. And why were they displaced, Doctor? Well, there are several things. So one is the Huyga volcano after it erupted, but they have periodic volcanic eruptions, and they also still have an attempt to suppress the population of the Indian background. And in Honduras, the crisis there, 559,000 refugees from Central America have fled. A lot of them come to Mexico and on the U.S. border. So those people are suffering greatly, and logic would say the way to deal with the crisis is to help those countries to stabilize. I know there's lots of great new projects you have going, and it would be my joy that if God tarries and we're still doing this work, that we'll have a chance to go with you and to be part of the solution once again. I want to thank you and salute you for your companionship, for sharing the vision, and for your commitment and enthusiasm to doing this kind of work for the kingdom of God. 
Our thanks to Dr. Jim Jennings of Conscious International for today's insight and challenge. The first order of business, of course, is to pray, and we mean that. And pray for Jim and his teams around the world that do their work in the world's hardest places. His people have not been exempt from the dangers of serving in war zones, and many have been persecuted and even held hostage. You can learn more about their work and why we partner with them at ConscienceInternational.org. Jim will be back with us soon for more background and insight. Friends, we often encourage you to call or write us. I hope you'll reach out today to stand with us and to share your stories and prayer requests. Here's my direct email, which you can use anytime. BramFloria at CompassionRadio.com Our plan at Compassion Radio, and for the years to come, is to make this a safe place to come learn the truth about missional living in the 21st century, and sometimes to talk about the hard things that need to be addressed if the kingdom is to flourish right here at home. God is still transforming lives in the here and now and changing futures one heart at a time. Perhaps one of those amazing transformation stories is you. We'd love to hear about it. I hope you'll take seriously my invitation to reach out to us. Together, we can tell the great things that God is doing in this generation. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we have a very special giving opportunity to double your gift for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and we need to stand with them. This matching gift is for at least $1,200 and available to you if you'll give this week. To make your love gift, simply go to our website, CompassionRadio.com. Our toll-free number is manned during business hours Pacific time at 1-800-868-2478. If you get voicemail, just leave a full message and we will call you back as soon as the office is open. You can also write us and send your gift by mail to Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio.